Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. We find ourselves in Luke's gospel. And so Pastor Adam will be preaching from chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. If you'd like to turn in your pew Bible to that page, it is page 62. Or in your own Bible, or if that's on your phone, we invite you to join along and to read with us this morning. Hear now God's word. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. And then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God God, indeed. Good morning, saints. Good morning, morning, sinners. Now that we're all accounted for. I have a friend that starts worship every Sunday that way. He calls out, good morning, saints, good morning, good morning, sinners, good morning, and it always accompanies, is accompanied by a little chuckle. But he says that he does it because it's a way of being reminded that we may come as forgiven and reconciled sinners, so saints, but each one of us are sinners. We all have fallen short and missed the mark. And so he said it's, it's appropriate to just call it out and acknowledge it from the very beginning. So good morning, saints and sinners. We're all accounted for. All are welcome here. And you know, when you come into a place like this, it can be a bit daunting. Have you ever gone into a place and feeling like you didn't belong? I know as a young person, I fell away from the church. 
I spent a period of time when I was in college in particular where the only time I went to church was when I went back home and visited mom and dad and I had to go then because dad is a United Methodist pastor and so if I was going to be in their house I had to go to church. But that was about it. I strayed away from church. I strayed away from faith. I knew things about faith. I knew the scriptures. I knew things but it didn't mean anything at that point in my life. And I remember when Jennifer and I had gotten married and we began to feel this pull, this call uh, to come back to God, to come back to church. We had experimented going to a few different ones and I kept coming up with an excuse why I didn't want to go to that particular church again. But there was one particular church we went to. I knew the pastor. I had known him from when I was a teenager. And so we decided to go to that church one Sunday and We went in, and I I felt like a fish out of water. I didn't feel comfortable in that setting exactly because it had been so long before I had been back into a church. I didn't know if I was going to be welcomed. And so we went, and we sat down in the pew. We got there before the service started. And it wasn't long that we had been sitting there that a gentleman came down the aisle, and he stood on the edge of the pew right where we were. It was a little awkward, (laughs) I looked up, and he's just shaking his head, shaking his head. I spoke to him, and he said, my family's been coming to this church for over 50 years. I'm like, wow, that's a long time. Yep, we've been sitting right there for 50 years. I'm like, wow. And then I realized, oh, (laughs) and so... Jennifer and I had to slide down quite a bit so that he could have his place that he and his family had sat. You know, it's remarkable in a way that we even ever went back to that church because I did not feel welcome in that space. I did not feel welcome at that time. And, and dare I say, some of you might have experienced something like that before. I didn't feel welcome. I didn't feel included. And That's a hard thing. I mean, the first time you walk into a place, you want to be welcomed. You want to be acknowledged. You want to be known. You want to be seen. Like this morning as we did the passing of the peace, I couldn't help but think back to years ago being on vacation. And my family, we had gone to the beach. But you know what? As a preacher, I couldn't wait to do on Sunday morning, go to church and not have a single bit of responsibility. (laughs) I couldn't wait. And so I packed my clothes. The family didn't go with me, but I was excited because I looked up the church that I was going to go to and found out that the pastor there had gone to the same school, same seminary that I had. So I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to introduce myself to people and say, I'm a United Methodist preacher and I'm here on vacation. I was excited to be able to meet people and tell people and experience this worship. In fact, I signed the pew pad. If you haven't done so, please do so. I signed the pew pad and I do something, did something that I never do. I wrote R-E-V in front of my name, Reverend Adam C. I never go by that title, but I wanted it to be known. I mean, I met this preacher here on vacation. I was excited. And we got to that point in the service because nobody had spoken to me so far. But we got to that point in the service where it was the passing of the peace. And I'm like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. And you know what happened when the pastor said for you to turn to your neighbor and greet one another with the peace of Christ? You know what I got? The younger people would do it a little differently. Instead of going down, they'd go. (laughs) Nobody spoke to me. 
I mean, I loved it even as a kid, being able to say pizza Christ. And sometimes I would even throw in pizza crust just to see if they were paying attention to what was being said. But nobody spoke to me at that church. I didn't get to tell anybody. I finally did after the church speak to the pastor and said, I mean, I met this pastor here on vacation. And he was like, great. And then turned to the next person. I get it. There's a lot of people to talk to. I didn't feel welcome. You know, it's hard to feel like you belong sometimes, especially if you're new, you don't know all the traditions. It's hard to feel welcome. It's hard to feel like you are a part of something. And I think about, as we've been talking about these transformative meals that Jesus shared with people, a lot of times we, we think about Jesus associating with a lot of the ones that are outcasts, those on the fringe of society. But we do see several times, there are times that Jesus encounters a Pharisee. A Pharisee will invite Jesus to their place for a meal. And in this scripture today, there's a Pharisee named Simon that invited Jesus. And Jesus being Jesus, he welcomed the opportunity to go and to be there. And so why did Simon the Pharisee invite Jesus for this meal? Well, Maybe it was to get to know a little bit more about him. I mean, he's the hot name on, in society. People are trying to follow him, and he's stirring things up. And so maybe Simon just wanted to become a better acquaintance of Jesus. He wanted to be around. And maybe it was a status thing, like, oh, I've got Jesus coming to my house. And so Jesus comes, and a lot of times when they would have these big, this meal like this, People from the community would come. They'd gather around. They wanted to see what was happening. They wanted to, to, to listen to the teaching, especially among these religious leaders. And so they were there. People had come and probably lined the walls. And inside in the middle of the room, there was a table, not a table and chairs like what you and I might sit at, but this table was low. And so they would lay down, sit down on the floor, his feet would be back behind him as he's leaning on his left elbow to be able to eat. And there's one person that comes to that place. She's got a mission. She's got a purpose. Has something she wants to do. In fact, she's come prepared for the task that she has in hand. She has an alabaster jar full of perfume. And she is there to anoint the feet Jesus. She's come with that purpose. Now, the way the scripture, as Pastor Corey was reading it, the way it makes it sound like is from the very moment that Jesus comes in that she's doing this. But I imagine, the way that my imagination plays out, I imagine she came there knowing she had a purpose, but she knew the way that people looked at her. She knew the way that people looked down upon her. I mean, if you look at any commentary or even in your own Bible, if you look up in the footnotes or something, it may indicate this woman's occupation as being one of the unsavory uh, work that we might, we might could call it that. But the scripture doesn't identify her that way. It just says she's a sinful woman. Guess what? We're sinful people. So what makes that any different? But there she is. I can imagine... She's waiting for the moment. She knows. She knows who Jesus is. She knows the love that he has for her. She knows it. But in my mind, I think she's just waiting. There's something keeping her. She's just not ready to fully commit. 
You know, it reminds me of Jennifer and I, when we were dating, we had begun to talk about marriage. We had even gone into the jewelry store and looked at wedding rings, engagement rings, and we had picked one that we really liked, and it was more important that she really liked it. And so I didn't, she didn't know, but I had bought it, and I had made plans for us to go out to eat at Coolies in Fuquay Verena. It was a nicer restaurant, for, as nice as Fuquay Verena could have at the time. We were still students at Campbell University, or as some people call it, UCLA, University of Campbell between Lillington and Andrew. <laughs> and we had made these reservations to go out to eat, and I had that ring in my pocket. And I was so excited. I was going to propose to her right there in the restaurant. And I could imagine, oh, they're going to be, people are going to be clapping, applauding as I get down on my knee. And she accepts the ring. And they're going to bring us free dessert or comp the whole meal. I just had it all played out in my head of what was going to happen. But we got there to the restaurant. My heart was pounding, pounding. You could probably hear it over the noise in the restaurant. I was so nervous. We had talked about this. We knew that we were going to get married, but I was still terrified to do the very thing that I had come to do. I was prepared. I knew what I wanted to do. And before long, the waiter brought our check and we left. And I had not accomplished the very thing that I had gone there to do. So we got back to Jennifer's apartment and I just was so mad at myself and my heart is just racing and we're in the kitchen and I asked her as she's taking care of something and I'm behind her. I asked her, have you had a good night? And she says, I have. And I said, you know what can make it better? And I bend down and get on my knee and I hold out the ring and she's still not looking at me. <laughs> she's doing whatever. I said, you know what can make it even better? And she turns around and she says, before I can even say anything else, what are you doing on the floor? Get up. <laughs> and then she realizes, and I'm able to ask, would you be my wife? I was so nervous. I knew the answer. I knew what she was going to say. I knew that she was going to say yes. We had picked the ring out together. There was no surprise to it. But I was terrified to make that commitment. I imagine this woman, she's come, she's prepared. She's got this alabaster jar of perfume. She knows what she wants to do. But I imagine all she can think about is how inadequate she is. She's a sinful woman. That's the way they've identified her. And that's probably the identification that she herself had taken on. I imagine the tears began to fall. Overwhelmed with emotion, overwhelmed with her own feeling of, I don't belong here. But as her tears begin to fall, the scripture says that her tears begin to anoint the feet of Jesus. And she gets down and she lets her hair down and begins to dry his feet with her hair, a scandalous thing. And then she anoints his feet with this jar of perfume that she has brought. Oh, what an act. I mean, she's at the point of no return at this point. She has made full commitment. She has said, this is the one I submit to. She has made this whole commitment, and there's no way that she could possibly turn back. Simon the Pharisee witnesses all of this taking place. The scripture says that Simon says to himself, I'm curious, did he say it out loud 
or did he say it inside of his head? You know, a lot of times we have thoughts to ourselves, and we may speak to ourselves. Debbie is one that is well known for talking to herself. Uh, I'll hear Debbie walking down the hall and wondering, is she on the phone? No, she's reminding herself. I do it too, Debbie, so I'm just saying I, I feel that. We talk to ourselves, and I wonder, did Simon say to himself, some prophet he is. If he was really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. Well, Jesus says to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. <laughs> and Simon says, speak. Now, it wasn't that uncommon when these religious figures would come together and share a meal together that someone would come posing some kind of a, a question, a riddle that they would be able to have the opportunity to discuss. And so Jesus gives him this riddle. He says that a creditor has two people that are indebted to him, one with a large sum and one a much smaller sum. But when neither is able to pay, the creditor forgives their debt. And Jesus then asks, which one loves him, the creditor, more? And Simon answers, well, I would assume the one whose greater debt was forgiven. And Jesus answers, you have answered correctly. And he goes on and he begins to say what this woman has done. What this woman, how she has washed his feet with her tears. She has dried them with her hair. She has anointed him with, with his, this perfume. She has kissed his feet. And Simon has not offered him any water for his feet. Simon has not even greeted him with a kiss. Simon has not anointed his head with oil. But this woman has shown this incredible act of love. In this, I believe Jesus is saying, she is welcome at my table. She may not feel it. She may not feel adequate. She may feel ill-prepared. She may not feel like she belongs or fits in. But she is welcome because she is throwing it all down. It's this defining the relationship type moment. Simon was curious. Simon wanted to be an acquaintance. She was convinced. And she was committed. And so I think for us, maybe we're kind of like this same situation. Maybe we, we're prepared, we know, but our hearts are beating so strong, even though we, we know that Jesus will say yes if we surrender to him, to submit to him fully. But there's something that keeps us from going through with it. Maybe we've been around God long enough and we, we're curious and we even know but we never fully surrendered the way that she did. You're welcome here. You have a place in God's story. God is calling you to find your place. And that's what I believe we as a church should be about. But the thing is, who are those that are on the fringe? Who are those that don't feel welcome? Who are those that are along the outside that think that they're unworthy? As we look around, who is missing from this table? Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. All are welcome who seek to love the Lord. May we be people that go, that go out into the world to find those who may feel unworthy, who find those who may feel unwelcome, that they would find that they have a place in God's story. May our lives be transformed through our surrender and then the seeking that we would find those 
who seek to know him as their Savior. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for the invitation to come and to follow you. We thank you for the way that you welcome us just as we are. Lord, we are all sinners in need of your mercy. We all have fallen short and missed the mark. We all are sinful people. But you offer to us this love. You offer to us this new life, this new opportunity. And so may we fully have the confidence to surrender. To go to that point of no return. To live a life that is fully dedicated to following you in all of your ways. But Lord, as we look around, may we see who is not at the table. May we look for the ways that we can welcome those who are seeking to know you. May we be open so that all may come to know you as their Lord and Savior. So God, we surrender all of these things to you in all hope, in all strength, in all of your love. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.